Hello and welcome to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined by Michael Eisenwasser. He's a Buddy Press expert and we're going to get into social learning in this podcast episode. So, hi, Mel- Michael. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Thanks. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Where, where did you come from? What are you all about? Sure. So, um, I run a company called Buddy Boss, and we're a Buddy Press development agency. So, for those of you who don't know, Buddy Press is a plugin, kind of a, a framework for WordPress for building social networks on WordPress. So that's what I do. My background, personally, is um, as an artist and and a web developer, and I got into BuddyPress through developing sites on WordPress. That's awesome. Well, for the uninitiated, if you were to give somebody, if somebody asked you on the street, "Hey, what's BuddyPress?" Like, how do you describe yeah. it? Okay, so um, at, at a sort of a high level, BuddyPress is allowing you to make community-oriented sites uh, on the web. So. That can be something similar to Facebook, but it could also be something like Khan Academy or uh, meetup.com or LinkedIn. Basically, any site you've ever gone to where you know, they request that you log in and then you create a profile. And from there, maybe you message people or interact in some way. Um, these are the types of sites that you might want to build uh, with BuddyPress. And so BuddyPress specifically is actually, at a technical level, is a plugin for the WordPress content management system. And what it does is it basically, normally in WordPress, it's kind of a one-way channel where a user logs into an admin area, and from there, they publish some content, maybe a blog post. Another user comes and reads it from the front end. What BuddyPress does is it turns all of your site visitors into publishers themselves. So they log in on the front end. They have a profile. They can create content. They can interact with each other uh, through activity streams like Facebook or forums or they can send private messages to each other, very similar to the Facebook Messenger. Um, and then it's very extendable. The code is written in such a way that you can build plugins that extend what it does. So like, for example, we have a plugin we sell that allows you to upload photos into your activity stream like Facebook. You can extend it and do stuff like that. So that's what BuddyPress is. That's awesome. I often describe yeah. it as like Facebook in a box. And it, it, yeah. it really blows me away that it's free. Like it's, it does yeah. so much and it's free. Like I think about how much money it took to build something like Facebook. Now you can take BuddyPress, you can download load it off the WordPress repository and plug it into your site and you have a Facebook-like platform. Now, of course, the hard part is going to be to get traffic and get a big audience right. like Facebook or much smaller. But um, yeah, it just blows me away that that's free and out there in the ecosystem. A, can you tell us a little bit about the community behind it? Sure. Yeah. So BuddyPress originally was created by a guy named Andy Peatling who got hired by Automatic, the company behind WordPress. So he works there. And then another guy named John, John James Jacoby, Triple J, he kind of took over as the core developer many years ago. And if you've ever used BBPress, is a very popular forum software for WordPress. He's also the core developer of that. So the two plugins integrate pretty tightly together. Um, and then there's a number of other core developers who work on it. So you have your kind of like WordPress, you, it's open source and you have your core contributors who, you know, every day are developing it. And yeah. And so there's, there's them. And then there's a community of people who are out there testing the releases and contributing in other ways. People are building plugins and themes that work with BuddyPress. There's a pretty large community. It's, if you go on wordpress.org and look up plugins, BuddyPress will show up as one of the more popular plugins. So it's pretty well supported. 
That's really awesome. Yeah, and if you've noticed in Lift Rail MS, you have, there's an integration with BuddyPress you can check. And what that does is that uses the BuddyPress registration system and then adds your courses and your course data to your profile. And so you can right. build out that social network. And I think it's important to note, too, that with BuddyPress, you can turn features on and off as needed. So if you don't want the Facebook-like activity feed, you can turn that off. Uh, if you exactly. if you don't want to have the friends component, you can turn that off. Um, and exactly. Then, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Depending on what you're doing with your site, it may not always be appropriate to have everything. So, um, of course, right. If you're building an education type of site, uh, you may not want to have the ability for people to become friends with each other, um, or you may not want everyone to be able to message each other. Right. You might want to restrict that to only people in the same course or something like that. So you can control a lot of that. Tell us a little bit about BuddyPress Groups. What's that all about? Sure. So BuddyPress Groups are kind of a, every group is a central place where people can organize around an idea. Mm -hmm. And so out of the box, it's kind of a blank slate. The main thing is a bunch of people can join the group together and it can have a forum and they can talk about things. So in an education context, you can imagine in the real world, uh, you have classrooms. And in a classroom, people are getting together and talking about some subject. You could replicate the same thing online. So in a group, you could have all the people who are in your classroom or maybe in your grade or whatever all join together. And they have to be a member to be in there. And then they can talk to each other within that, the context of that group. And I believe there's settings where you can do like invite only or have it open for people to join. Is that right? Exactly. A group can be public where anybody can, can join. A group can be private where... Um, administrator or moderator of the group has to invite people and it can be a hidden, like a totally hidden group that no one even knows about. That's awesome. So there's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about buddy press in the context of online education a little more. Um, one of the things I like to look at is when you look at online sites like LinkedIn, it's sort of like a, um, a business networking place, but online. Mm -hmm. Facebook is like your friendship ecosystem, but online. Right. Um, the things that do a good job of kind of, though not completely, mimicking what's going on in the real world or the physical world uh, tend to do very well. Mm -hmm. um, like, what is it about BuddyPress and the social component that that captures the classroom experience, and and why is it? What makes it so powerful as opposed to sure. just having like a online courses website where, you know, the student drops in, learns the skills, right? There's no social component per se. Sure. So, um, I mean, you know what it's like to be in a classroom. You, you don't just learn from reading the material. You learn from interacting with the other students and from interacting with your teacher. And so in a real classroom environment, like there are lots of upsides to bringing education to the internet, right? It's cheaper, it's more accessible, anyone can be a teacher, and uh, the students can be from all around the world, and you have all these, all these advantages. But the major con, I think, is that it's kind of lonely, it's isolated. So you go to a website and take a course and do a quiz, and that's it. When you introduce BuddyPress, it allows you to have a classroom-like experience where, um, you can get to know the other students in the classroom and people can have discussions around, let's say there's some course material there. Everyone can have discussions around their opinions and 
talk about the material and the teacher can come in and talk to you too. So you get to know your teacher, you get to know the other students. So it enhances the learning and it, and it does a good job of replicating what happens in the classroom. Um, and I've seen some people actually use their body press course network as an extension of a real classroom. So sometimes people even have like an actual um, classroom where people are meeting in person and having a, a lesson. And then they extend that in between classes. They come online and they discuss the material. And maybe they have a group that, where they post documents and stuff. We would call that blended learning where it's not necessar- exactly. necessarily an either or decision. It could also just supplement. Or you exactly. could kind of do it the opposite way where you do most of the learning online and then you have um, a little like an in-person event once a month or once a year or whatever to blend it up. That's super powerful, right. I think, if you can do it, if your audience is close enough to be able to come together in that way or has the resources to fly to an annual event or whatever. Exactly. Um, well, what uh, what is it about online social learning that it, what problem does it solve in the broader context of our culture and what's going on in the world? Sure. So my personal opinion is that education, at least in the United States, is kind of a bubble. Um, the cost of education is so huge that for a large segment of the population, they will never make back what they've spent to get educated. Mm-hmm. So you can easily spend over $100,000 in the United States just to get a piece of paper that shows that you're qualified for a job. And I think about that and it seems crazy. Like there's got to be a cheaper way to prove somebody's qualified for a job than, than that. Um, and I'm not the only one who's noticed this, right? So lots of people are, education is, is very rapidly moving online for, for that reason. It's much cheaper and easier to do this, to do it online. And people in the job market are getting more accepting of um, ulterior ways of proving somebody's qualified than a degree. So that's exciting to me. And then also internationally, you know, I'm just talking about the United States right now, but around the world, there are huge, huge uh, populations of people who have almost no access to education. And lots of talent. Yeah. And, and you have, there's, ta- there's talent all over the place. And are there people who, who have the potential to be really good and just don't have anyone to teach them? And meanwhile, you have teachers who are teaching the same lessons every year, and none of that is, is available online for everyone else to, to see. So you take education, you move it online, and suddenly the whole world is, can access it. Um, and this is sort of like, I'm a huge fan of Khan, Khan Academy, and this, this is part of their mission. But they're basically doing like K through 12, and you know, they, they're going to go through textbook education, but there are so many other subjects that could be moved online. Uh, and they are. And um, me working with Body Press, you know, I've already explained how I think adding the social layer adds a lot to it. And so there's a lot that I think we can contribute to what people are trying to do with online education. And so for those reasons, I find it very exciting. That's awesome. I know I, I, f- I hear sometimes that people feel like, oh, it's already done. The people who have gone online have already won. But I don't yeah. really see that as the case. And I always like to use the example of um, uh, learning software development or you know different programming languages. I feel like that whole area was kind of an earlier adopter of online education. And it makes sense yep. because they're using the tools that they're building. So it's like this, exactly. this innovators at the front of the wave. So. I don't know how long Code Academy, Treehouse, all these other online education platforms for learning programming have been around, but they're doing quite well and they're producing people 
with skills that are able to get high paying jobs or become entrepreneurs. Exactly. And, uh, just because that's already happened or it might be harder to compete in that arena, it doesn't mean that another niche, uh, and there's ton, there's millions of niches that you could still either be the first or part of the early crowd. And, and then what you really need to focus on is differentiation. So yep. what, one of my personal side projects I run with my wife is about uh, a type of organic gardening called permaculture. And we actually meet with experts around the world and film their workshops. And we literally bring them online to a community that's very not used to working online. But we just use the same methods that have been going on for five plus years that, you know, the development community has been using. So uh, right. I think there's a, just so much opportunity to build, a, you know, a, a learning environment or a social learning environment um, that, you know, to, to follow your passion and also get people from around the world excited about. But you really got to focus on differentiation and what makes you different. Which I exactly. want to I want to ask you about is I know when you build a forum uh, or you build a social network, uh, the the biggest uh, mistake uh, I see is that people have the mindset if they build it, it they will come or whatever. What are some tips you have for people if they are going to go social or just use forums to avoid having a dead or, or to get that early traction and get a vibrant community going? Sure. So for one thing, if you're going to have forums, which not every social site has forums, but a lot of them do, that's a pretty popular component. If you're going to have forums, you need to be moderating it. So, and you also don't want to let anybody into your site because as soon as um, people start kind of spamming it or doing stupid stuff in there, it's going to, no one's going to want to spend any time in there. So it's good if you have a course site that you can close the network to people who are actually serious about doing this. And then you have somebody who's a dedicated moderator. If you're small, maybe it's just you. And then as you grow, maybe you can hire somebody who's going to spend time in there and answer people's questions and make sure everything's going correct. That's, I think, pretty critical. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is, like we talked about before, you don't have to just have everything all at once. So it may not make sense to have people sending messages to each other and also having activity streams and also having forums because they don't know where to go. And yeah. people on the internet are like, like water, like as soon as they can find a place to flow into, they will. And so they're going to leave blog comments. They're going to go to the activity stream. They're going to form. They're just going to be asking things that are going to email you. It's going to be all over the place. Yeah. So you have to, you have to structure it. You have to guide people. You have to think about what you're actually trying to do here and guide people into those areas. Um, but there are little things you can do right away that make things more engaging. Like probably you have users leaving comments. Probably you have courses that you're posting there that people want to discuss and instead of just having WordPress comments, if you give them a profile, then in the comment, uh, you know, that picture of them or the link to their name suddenly will go to their BuddyPress profile and they can fill out information about themselves. And now you actually know who they are. Right? You can and then follow they, them and see like, oh, this is the You second. can see what they're up to. Yeah. Yeah. And you can build in things where um, it takes a little customization, but it's possible to set it up so like it tracks which courses they've taken or which lessons they've completed. Maybe even you can integrate with like a badge plugin like badge OS or MyCred and give them awards for completing stuff and publish, post that in the activity stream and it gives them some pride for accomplishing things. You can be creative with what you're trying to do. Um, but 
you want to have some intent for wh- why you're doing this, right? And then design the social network around that. That's awesome. Well, I have to ask you for our buddy, buddy press users at Lifter LMS, one question that yeah. always comes up and you've probably heard it a million times, but sure. what is the best way to avoid spam registrations? Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so there are a few tactics here. Yeah. This is a tricky one because spammers are, are, it's a cat and mouse game, right? So, and let's just assume we have a free course so it gets easier yeah. and easier to do it. It's sense. not always about having a paid course where you're making money. Of course, of course. So if it's a paid course, that pretty much solves the problem. Yeah. Because spammers are not, they're not going to pay to get their spam link. <laughs> okay. But if it's a free course, then there are, there are various plugins that will help block things out. And you're going to have to experiment a little bit because, again, it's a cat and mouse game. So... Um, if something becomes mainstream, then people are going to figure out how to get around that. But the main thing you're trying to block is people from the main spam thing that's going to happen is spam registrations. So, uh, one thing you can do is force people to log in through social networks. So people, you can actually use plugins and have people log in using their Facebook credential or their LinkedIn credential or Twitter. And then they, at least their account is tied to a real person. Okay. And, it's hard for a spammer to make a bunch of fake Facebook accounts and then go attack a buddy for a site. That will help. And then if it's truly open, then you have to do things like you can add a captcha on the registration that will block out a lot of them. You can add a plugin that will sort of hold, like people can edit some stuff in their profile but can't actually do anything else. They're kind of held in a queue until you go in and manually activate them. Okay. So you can add a plugin like that if it becomes a problem. And there are some other plugins that it's, this gets kind of technical, but they do some tricky things. Like for example, in the registration form, you're supposed to fill out all the inputs, right? You put in your name, your email address. There's one plugin that will add a hidden field. So the field is there, but in your browser, you don't see it. Yeah. And the spammer, the, these spammers are not people most of the time. It's a computer program. The spammer will fill out every field. So if they yeah. fill out a field that's not actually visible, then the program knows this was a computer and they block it. So there are plugins like that that will help. But you have to attack it at a few angles. Um, if you have totally open registration, yeah, it, it can be a problem. Well, let me just tap into one thing you mentioned there, and this comes back to a, a recurring customer request we get sometimes, which is about uh, applying to join something. You said there was yeah. something where people could, a plugin where people could uh, submit, but they're not automatically joined. Which one right. is that? I mean, could that be used for like an application to a course? Oh, for an application. Well, so this, this particular plugin is for, I don't remember the name of the plugin offhand, it's but okay. it's, it's to block people from being able to access the site until they finish registering. Okay. And then they get their profile. So it's not going to prevent them from joining a course. But you could do something where you could have like a gravity form and make people fill out something. Uh, to be able to join a course. Um, you can do other things. You can also have membership levels and that somebody has to be of a certain membership level to be able to join certain courses. It's like we're a fan of a plugin called Paid Memberships Pro. Okay. Which does not actually force you to pay to become a member, but it's one of the features that it has is for subscriptions. You can have membership levels. So you can have people who are like a first level user and they can only access beginner courses. And then at a certain point in time, you bump them up to a more advanced user level and then they can access some other courses. So that way you can limit the flow a little bit. That makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Well, let me uh, just selfishly ask you some questions because we do a similar thing. We have a WordPress product business and also a, a custom development business. Sure. Um, for us, as I'm sure for you, customer support is really important and, uh, you know, engaging with our customers, uh, listening to feature requests, feedback. I'll get on the phone with customers sometimes and listen to talk to them about where they're stuck, where they're struggling. And it helps me shape the product roadmap. But before we get into like features, like what are, what have you found that works really well with customer support? How do you handle that? Sure. So, um, our customer, so we offer, uh, basically we have a support forum and we also have email support for our customers and we have a few full-time, uh, support specialists who are helping people. So, uh, you know, our strategy is basically, uh, the types of things people are asking about in our forums run a gamut. So some of the things are something seems maybe broken. They're not sure. Sometimes, um, they think, they, they have a feature request. They want something added to our software. Sometimes they're just sort of confused because it's their first time using WordPress and BuddyPress and they're just kind of general questions. We try to answer everything, but we also learn from them. So if a lot of people are asking the same for the same feature, we, we think to ourselves, maybe that's something we should be adding. Or if a lot of people are confused about the same kind of thing, we think, oh, maybe this is a place where we should change the UI or maybe we should add a plugin that will change how BuddyPress works a little bit. We learn a lot from our customers um, and our clients. We learn from our, our custom development too. I mean, every, every custom project we take on, I'm on the phone talking to the client and hearing everything they want to do. And sometimes they, they start, you know, you, you recognize patterns. People start bringing up the same kind of places where they find BuddyPress or one of the course plugins or WordPress a little bit. It's not quite doing what they want it to do. Um, and so we learn from all that and try to build, try to create tutorials that, that show people how to, how to do this. And I think it was a couple of years ago. I saw a, uh, a yoga site that you built that was yeah. really impressive. And, uh, and uh, it was, a, it was an education site. It was about teaching yoga or different types of yoga classes or something. And that was just, Sorry. it's really impressive. And I think we experienced a similar thing where perhaps with our, our products, it, it gets a lot of people maybe 80% where they want to go, but then they may need custom development to really encapsulate their vision and that exactly. kind of thing. So as long as there's a budget for that, there's, you know, there's a lot of potential there, but for a lot of people, they don't need, they're happy with, you know, the core offer and, and they're off to the races. Exactly. I mean, we, we try to build plugins that will cover the um, most common use cases. Mm -hmm. um, but every so often someone comes to you and they, they want to do something that's so specific that it just does not make sense to build a plugin that's going to do that. You might be the only person in the world who wants exactly that, or maybe there's a handful. So then you, you go the custom route, or maybe they want you to build, let's say it's an education site. They want you to design the site and give them the whole custom experience. And then you have to go custom. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom on, um, on buddy press and, and using a social network in the context of education. Uh, what's a, what's one big takeaway if you could give people a tip for, uh, if they're interested in pursuing buddy press and integrating it, what, what should they consider? Sure. So I would say not to get too, um, afraid of all of it, right? Like just set up a, a WordPress site that is not very important to you. 
and install BuddyPress on there and go play around because you might be surprised at how much you can do with very little coding effort, right? You can set up BuddyPress and you can get plugins that do all the stuff and you'd be really surprised within a few hours how much you can get out of it. So I would say don't spend too much time worrying about it and just sort of dive in and play with it. I agree with you on that. I think a lot of people, and I, I have software tools, but I always say my number one tip is don't get obsessed with the software tools. Focus on your learning content, your, yeah. what your audience needs, and, and just building the community around that. Yeah, that's a good tip too. That's something we talked about before. That um, On the one end, go play with everything, but on the other side, like be strict about what you actually put on your final live site. It's very tempting to just add everything under the sun because the feature's there. Yeah. And that can, that can cost you a lot, not just in terms of money that you're buying products or developer hours, but also just in how long it takes to build everything and maintenance costs and all the things you have to look after. Don't add everything under the sun. Figure out what your users actually truly need and try to solve for that. Awesome. Well, yeah, that, my, my takeaway is just going to be when you play around with BuddyPress and if you start using it, just turn on, start with one of the features or two and yep. don't turn on all six or seven or how many are in there. And I think like you mentioned earlier, the friends thing, just hold off on that one. That's an easy one to wait on or the activity feed if it just doesn't make sense for your uh, learning environment. Right. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Michael. If people want to find out more about you, where can they find you on the interwebs? Sure. So uh, our website is buddyboss.com. And so you can go there and, and see our themes, our plugins, everything that we do there. And then our handle is buddybosswp, like buddyboss WordPress. So you'll find us, you know, uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, buddybosswp. And YouTube actually is a good place. We we're active everywhere, but our YouTube, we make video tutorials about how to use BuddyPress and BBPress and all our products and a lot of people like those. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. All right, Chris. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it.